Do you want to stop yelling and have your child listen to? Well, I have exciting news for you. If you're hearing this right now, it means that the doors to mindful parenting are open at mindfulparentingcourse.com. This only happens for a limited time, and it may be perfect for you if you want to be that patient, calm parent, but you're afraid of being walked all over, you're losing it, and you want to be that steady, peaceful parent, you don't have a cohesive method, and you take in bad advice like just count to one, two, three. Mindful parenting is an evidence-based system that not only teaches you how to calm your reactivity, but offers you a ton of personal guidance. A lot of other parenting coaches talk about the best way to respond to your child, but guess what? They don't walk you through the research-proven practices that it really takes to create changes that actually last. Mindful Parenting teaches you the specific steps to create cooperative, loving relationships for life. In Mindful Parenting, you can learn how to stay calm, even if you find yourself shouting hourly now. Be present for your child no matter what they're going through. Resolve conflicts easily without yelling or taking away the iPad. Set limits without your child resenting you for days afterward. And build trust between you and your child so that you avoid misery in the teen years. The doors are open now at mindfulparentingcourse.com. Unlike other programs in Mindful Parenting, we offer one-on-one coaching to every member and weekly drop-in coaching sessions. Don't wait anymore. You and your kids are worth leveling up. Go to mindfulparentingcourse.com and join now before the doors close again. That's mindfulparentingcourse.com. I'll see you there. I guess I can define what is of significance in my life and move towards that because I have taken the time to be intentional, to simplify, to be minimalist in my household and with my schedule and with my friendships that I can deem what is important and move towards that. You're listening to the Mindful Mama podcast, episode number 314. Today, we're talking about how to simplify to make parenting easier with Diane Bowden. Welcome to the Mindful Mama podcast. Here, it's about becoming a less irritable, more joyful parent. At Mindful Mama, we know that you cannot give what you do not have, and when you have calm and peace within, then you can give it to your children. I'm your host, Hunter Clark Fields. I help smart, thoughtful parents stay calm so they can have strong, connected relationships with their children. I've been practicing mindfulness for over 20 years. I'm the creator of Mindful Parenting, and I'm the author of the best-selling book, Raising Good Humans, a mindful guide to breaking the cycle of reactive parenting and raising kind, confident kids. Welcome back to the Mindful Mama podcast. Great to be connecting with you here. It's a little bit of light in my kind of gray, damp Delaware day, but I am glad to be connecting with you. And this is going to be a fabulous conversation that I can't wait to invite you into. I'm going to be talking to Diana Bowden. She's the voice behind the top rated podcast, The Minimalist Moms, where she spreads her ideas and interviews others in regards to living a life in pursuit of less. And we're going to talk about simplifying, like making things easier. And she is the author of the book, the new book, Minimalist Moms, Living and Parenting with Simplicity. 
And we're going to talk about, you know, how can we make less stress in our lives, more ease by simplifying. And this is something that we talk about in Mindful Parenting. We have a module about because our environment makes us big impact on our parenting. And if you have kids who have, who you say they complain they have nothing to play with, but have bedrooms covered in toys, this is for you. If you have to dig through closets to find what you need, this episode is totally for you. So we're going to dive into making things simpler. And I think this is kind of like a national obsession with us, right? Kind of post-COVID is to to clear out the clutter and it just feels so good. It's always so, every time I do some clutter clearing, I just feel so much freer and lighter. I feel like I'm making space for more ease and more joy in my life. And I know that that is what you are going to feel and get inspired by after listening to this wonderful conversation. I think that's it. Let's talk more about simplifying and I will see you on the other side. Join me at the table as I talk to Diane Bowden. I'm excited to talk about simplifying. I love talking about simplifying and recording this where I just like went through like I'm on a major simplifying kick again, which I'm I really like because it just clears up space for good things to happen in my life. But I want to talk about it with kids Mm -hmm. and you and I, I think, differ in this thing. So (laughs) so when when we, when I th- talked about de- I want to talk about decluttering kids' rooms. Yeah. And I often encourage parents to do it when the kids are not there. Yeah. Just like go in and, and to, to, to do a, a decluttering and, and there's some, some guidelines and stuff in, inside mindful parenting when the kids are not there. What do you think about that? So, I mean, I agree with you. I think that that is definitely an angle oh. that you can take, especially depending on I did it today. Actually, I did it when my daughter was at kindergarten, all that to say, I do think that as your child gets older, it's really important to include them because I don't want to have minimalism, have the adverse effect to where they become little hoarders and their teenage years into their college years, into their adulthood, because mommy has been so sneaky. And what am I going to not have here when I get home from school or from my friend's house? So do you see how that could kind of backfire? Yeah. That said, I also have a three-year-old, so he is at his tantrum stage and sometimes it's just easier to go in there and swoop in. And the majority of what I was doing with my daughter while she was at kindergarten today was artwork. She is so creative and she loves to paint and draw. And every night that's what she does before she goes to bed. So I was just going in there and pulling out some of that stuff that she's, she does a lot of repeat drawing. So just pulling out some of that stuff that she doesn't necessarily, she won't necessarily miss or like have that attachment to, but with her like dolls or her books, I'm going to include her just because she's almost seven years old. And I feel like it's important to give her that authority over her things, but I definitely agree with you. Like I, I, I I think there's room to be in there on your own too. Yeah. I think there's an age thing. Definitely. Like when you have, you know, five and under or whatever, you know, yeah. there's, there's a, there's space. And then what I've always found is the, the kids come home and they're like, Oh my God, it's so nice. I love it. And I just want to play like even more with the fewer things that they have there. Mm-hmm. Um, which it's sometimes it's hard for people to believe that that happens, but, but I bet you've seen that too. Oh yeah. And I think that Charlotte is definitely one of those kids, but yeah, I think it's more my fear as they get older that I don't want it to backfire. That's my yeah, my yeah, big yeah, yeah. thing. 
Cause I'm already starting to see that tendency in her with just my, my, I can be pretty extreme with my minimalism sometimes. So yeah, I just, I'm cautious, but again, age personality, um, your dynamic with your children. I think that all those things probably need to be considered before you just go in there. Okay. So let's assume the listener is not a minimalist. I mean, I, I wouldn't say I'm a minimalist. I really like to simplify, but I don't say I'm a min- minimalist. I don't think anyone mm-hmm. could look in my closet and say you're a minimalist, but, but let's assume that they're not. What are some of the, what are some of the, I mean, you've been on both sides and you've written this wonderful book that I really love minimalist moms. What are some of the benefits to just having less stuff that why is this minimalism thing calling to so many people? Yeah. So I would say for me, the benefit in having less stuff is that I'm not constantly having to tidy and and clean up all of the stuff that is on the ground because I have so much stuff. It's really quick to just get in and out when I'm tidying my home. And I appreciate that because then I have more time, especially like during my breaks, when my kids are in my room to relax and to use that time, whether to work or self-care, take a shower, whatever it is that I'm going to do. And so that is one element that it's like, when you don't have as much stuff you're not cleaning up as much stuff and that stuff is going to get out at some point um, just because we have children. And so they pulled the stuff out. So I would say that that was one of the things. And then um, you mentioned maybe people don't see that you live a minimalist lifestyle because of your closet, but I don't think that that's all that minimalism is because I do think that you're a minimalist when it comes to how you parent and the book that you've written, I would definitely say that you're all about intentionality and simplifying. So I would say, with all of those words grouped together and this lifestyle that we're leading, I would just say that I've seen that my priorities have like shifted. And so I can, I can, I guess I can define what is of significance in my life and move towards that because I have taken the time to be intentional, to simplify, to be minimalist in my household and with my schedule and with my friendships that I can deem what is important and move towards that. I don't know if that makes sense. No, I think that does make sense. I think that, I guess we just, I think we, a lot of us don't realize how much our, our stuff and our schedules are like dictating our lives rather than mm-hmm. us. Like, that's what you're saying. Like, like we can be intentional about how we're living our lives rather than the stuff and the schedules dictating what our lives are like. Yes. That was way more articulate. Yes, absolutely. <laughs> I think, yes. When even when we're saying yes to too much, I've gone through seasons where I'm saying yes to too much. And then it really, you're either doing things like half seas, we'll call it half seas. You're doing things not all the way, or, um, you just get burnt out and resentful. And so I feel like because I've taken this minimalist approach to the things that I'm even saying yes to, or my schedule, and that has to do with my children too. They're not in tons of activities. They have swimming lessons on Monday nights. And that's what we do at this age because, I don't want them to get burnout. I don't want to get burnout. So I think you also can apply it to just saying yes and, and meaning your yes to the things that you're saying yes to. And, um, I think there's a huge benefit in that because you have more desire because you've deemed, again, you've deemed those things priority. And so, um, I don't know. I think that that's the biggest shift I'd say that has happened since becoming a minimalist is just, uh, going through and seeing what is of most importance in my life and what I want to work towards as a person and as a family. Mm, Okay. All right. So like being more intentional now, 
I know we don't have a ton of time today, so I want to really like think about like the, if we're trying to simplify with kids Mm -hmm. and the listener, you know, maybe you have, I don't know. I definitely know my mom is listening. Maybe you have a husband with way too many mad national geographics (laughs) or, you know, you have kids with tons of toys. You have a huge, like uh, a garage full of all this mm-hmm. stuff, like scuba gear from a trip you did and, or, or snorkeling gear and all the different things you have the piles, maybe you have kids of multiple ages and you're saving the clothes from one age to the next age. What? And, and you're just like, I can imagine people are just like, don't know where to start. Right. They're like, yeah, that sounds appealing. I want to have more space. I want more, more free time. I want to have more intentionality. I want to spend less time cleaning. That all sounds great. But like, there's like a mountain of work between there and here for where I am. So where do you suggest that people start when they're like, Oh God, and they're facing that and they're feeling sort of overwhelmed. Yeah, absolutely. Don't look at my lifestyle and think that that's going to happen overnight because I've been working at this for 10 to 12 years at this point. And it's gotten increasingly harder with having three children. So all that to say, I think that a lot of it comes down to, well, one, let, let's, let me go back. I would say if you're looking at where to start in your home, I really always suggest areas that don't have a lot of sentimental attachment, um, like things that that have sentimental value. So I love starting in the bathroom. I also, I just wrote a post on this, I think today, but, um, you usually start and end your day in the bathroom. And so to have that space cluttered and overwhelmed, I just don't want to, I don't want to live my life that way. I want to come in and have be nice and fresh and clean, start my morning that way. And it starts starts my flow for the day. So I would really suggest if you want a place to start to build that momentum where you're not having to encounter the baby clothes or encounter the children's artwork or just anything that does hold meaning to you in that way, go to the bathroom, clean off the counters, make the counters just, that's typically such precious, precious space. Gosh, I can't talk precious space anyways in there. Um, at least it is in my house. So I want it clear and do it for 30 days. Just do a trial run and see how it feels. Pull off all the artwork that you have on your walls. Go in there, get rid of the medicine that's expired. Um, I think there's safe ways to do that. <laughs> I, I don't necessarily think like you should flush it on the toilet or anything. Um, Google it. But um, yeah, I think that that's an area that you can go in, tackle it, build that momentum as you can work. And then you can start to work through your home. So I would say that that's where I usually tell people to start like, tangibly, I guess. And then I would say in regards to shifting your mindset on doing the actual act of decluttering, you have to be really honest with yourself. So you said maybe there's scuba gear in the garage that someone hasn't used. We are supported by Mysteries About True Histories, affectionately known as Math Mysteries About True Histories. It's a weekly show full of time travel puzzles, hidden equations, history, and lots of laughs. I highly recommend this podcast. It's really wonderful, especially if you have kids like around like six plus, but it can totally be enjoyed by the whole family. So I listened to the episode, The Pirate Queen, and you're just dropped right in the middle of the action. People are fighting. There's sword fight. And then these kids, they've gone on a time travel mission and they have to solve problems in the midst of it. And it really just like exemplifies everything we support here at Mindful Parenting. You know, kids who are adventurous, doing things on the world, they're capable. And then they do things like they have to do math, they have to think critically, they have to code break and pattern solving and all this great stuff. 
Beyond just the Pirate Queen episode, which I highly recommend, episodes transport listeners to moments in history, too, like Pythagoras, Ancient Greece, the era of the Aztecs, or Isaac Newton's England, and more. So jump in with your family, follow the adventures of Max and Molly on an adventure through time with puzzles and hidden equations and laughs, and it really does make learning really fun and really cool. Perfect for ages six and up. New episodes drop every Thursday, each stacked with so much laughter that your kiddos won't even realize how much they're learning. So tune into Mysteries About True Histories with your kids. And you can follow and listen on Apple Podcasts or wherever you get your pods. That's Mysteries About True Histories. I want to tell you about a great podcast that you should check out, especially if you ever deal with any school system, which you probably do. It's called Understood Explains. This season of the show is hosted by teacher and special education expert Juliana Ortube, and it's all about how to navigate individual education plans, also known as IEPs. And this season of Understood Explains covers topics like how to tell if your child needs an IEP and busts common myths about special education. So I checked out the episode on the difference between IEPs and 504 plans because my daughter Maggie uses a 504 plan and it was really, really helpful. It went over all the differences, which one's better, how to get them, different myths and what your rights are, all kinds of different things that you should understand if your child may need extra help in education through an IEP or a 504 plan. The tone is super helpful, friendly, and smart. I highly recommend you check it out. To listen to Understood Explains, just search for Understood Explains in your podcast app. That's it. Understood Explains. Be realistic. Have you used it in the past six months, year? Why are you holding on to something that you could possibly rent or borrow from someone? Be honest. Are you going to use it again? And Oftentimes when I'm honest with myself about that, it has to, that can even be applied to clothes after having three kids. I'm definitely not the size that I once was prior to having Charlotte. And I could say like, oh, I'm going to work out and get back to that point. But it's like, I haven't, if I look back at my consistency over the past few years, I've not done that. So I would rather wear clothes that fit me, that I feel great in, that I know I can just go save time having everything that I love in my closet. So honesty and just that self-awareness is honestly one of the biggest parts I'd say in becoming a minimalist and, and it's okay. And it's okay to say, Oh, I've wasted this money on something, but that that's okay. Cause that's how you learn. You make the mistake because you learn that way and you grow that way. So I'm still not the perfect minimalist. I still have like impulse frivolous purchases, but I wouldn't grow and learn otherwise. Yeah. Yeah. And that's not like a reason to keep that stuff. I know. I kind of feel that way too. I'm like, oh, that was like a, not a great, like, this is itchy actually when I put it on and I never Mm -hmm. want to wear it like this, you know? And I'm like, well, that's life. Like this, this happens. Like it's no reason to like keep the, have this hang in my closet and me look at it every single time because, Mm -hmm. you know, yeah. Okay. All right. So, so we have to kind of like do those mental steps to just allow for our own humanity and then, and then keep going. We have kids, they have way too much stuff. Like 
I, when my kids were little, like the stuff, the plastic stuff would just like pour into the house via the mail. Like, and especially Mm -hmm. with the pandemic, the grandparents are like, they can't see the kids. So they're just like sending all kinds of stuff, even like great stuff. Like my, um, my KiwiCo is a great sponsor of the podcast. I love their, their things, but my brother has like a whole room that's like piled with like KiwiCo crates, you know, mm-hmm. how many toys do kids need? Yeah. I don't want to put a number on it. I think yeah, that's yeah. up for the family that's to awesome. decide, but I would also say that they need a lot less than we think that they need. And if you, again, I don't know, I like to look back to evidence and I'm not really that into science, but I think when you look back at two I guess, trial and error of other individuals. I like to look at that and see, okay, what, how can I apply their mistakes now? So I don't make the same mistakes, but I would look back and kids just used to play outside. I mean, they had nowhere near as many toys as we had now. And I think that they got along just great. That said, if you love KiwiCo and you want to have several crates in your home, I would say one of two things that's totally fine. I was just telling someone this the other day, she had a craft room and she was like, I have this massive craft room. And I'm like, if you use the craft room, if you love the craft room, if your kids love the craft room, that's okay. Find somewhere else to minimize and allow that to be your space. And again, kids are only with us for a short season. So it's not always going to be like that. So I think take some of the pressure off yourself realize that even people that are living this minimalist lifestyle are not showing you everything behind the scenes of what their homes look like, but also it's okay to have the craft room. It's okay to have the Kiwi Co. But my last thing is that if you're going to have that space, make sure that you are decluttering other spaces, because if you have the Kiwi Co and then the craft room, and then the, I don't know, the 25 puzzles. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Stuffed animal collection. Yeah. 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 So if you're having all of those little collections, I would say you need to go back and be realistic with yourself. You're not using all of that because there's not enough time in the day. A lot of our kids like this is post COVID, but a lot of our kids are in school. And so they're not home or they're outside or they're family members. So really how much time are we spending at home where we're spending playing with the Kiwi coast up? So I, again, I really do think all of this comes back with just like honesty with ourselves and just, it, it, it can be hard to do that because we see where we've spent money that we wish we had, but we've already done that. That's in the past. So then grow from that. But yeah, I wouldn't say that there's a number. I, I, I don't like to confine myself like that because then I feel like I rebel against it. That again, yeah, yeah, yeah. be a personality thing. So no, I, I have that same personality trait. Yeah. Now, were you minimalist before you had kids? Yes. Um, I didn't realize I was a minimalist. I was more so just like such a cheapskate. Like I just was so frugal. (laughs) Um, and I didn't realize that a lot of my habits I was finding in minimalist, like the minimalist documentary. I think I watched that when my husband and I were newly married, but I would say, and we were married when we were 22. So I I'm 33 now. So I've been at this, what that's 11 years. Um, But yeah, I would say that prior to that, I just wanted everything new. I wanted new outfits. I would never want to be seen in the same thing at church or at work. Like I would always try and mix and match. I was in so much debt. Um, And then the kind of aha moment for me, sorry, I keep, I'm holding this pen. (laughs) I talk with my hands. Um, The aha moment for me was my husband and I were in my parents' basement and I wrote about this in the book, but we were trying to find something and he said, and I'm paraphrasing, look at all these things that are now in boxes that once were once your dad's hard-earned work hours. And it just 
kind of shifted something in me to where I'm like, oh, my hard-earned work hours, what? Like, I forgot that my hard-earned work hours are used to spend money on the things that I have that I actually use in my day-to-day. I don't know. It was just such a light bulb moment. And it kind of got me on this path of like frugality, intentionality on what I was spending and what I wanted to spend in the future. So yes, I've been a minimalist for 11 years, but again, it, it's been a lot of trial and error to what I want as priority in my life. And that shifts with kids that shifts with every kid that you have. So I think that we've maintained just intentionality throughout the whole thing. I think I became more of a minimalist after I had kids. Mm -hmm. Um, because I, as a painter, I was always kind of a maximalist. Like I wanted to like, I don't know. I wanted, I liked like the eclectic clutter and now yeah. I, I really kind of come, my husband could have like lived in a like Japanese tatami mat room, you know, mm-hmm. that's like completely empty. And we've, I guess they were become in the middle and kind of met, but I really did notice for me, the, a big aha was reading simplicity parenting. And I really did yes. notice a huge change in behavior in my kids because mm-hmm. they did not have a minimalist experience. And then I really did a bunch of decluttering of toys and it was so much better. Like it was so mm-hmm. much easier because they were just less overwhelmed with all mm-hmm. of the stuff. It was, it was really yeah. remarkable. And at, at, in our yeah. no, I mean, you, you've heard it. Your listeners have probably heard of it heard of it, like decision fatigue is a real thing. And it's the same reason why if you go into a closet with a hundred items, it's going to be really hard to figure out what you want to wear for that day because either everything works or nothing works. And it's like when you hone in on these things that, you know, I'm using the closet example, but like look good on you, you can just pull out the things and, and save time that way. And it's the same thing with toys. If you have a toy room, just overwhelmed with toys, it's like, Oh, I like that. Oh, I like that. Oh, I don't like any of this. And when you declutter that space and have a few items in there, they can really pinpoint what it is that they want to play with. At least I've seen that in my own kids and even my friends' kids. And it doesn't mean that you necessarily have to get rid of it. I really like the idea of toy swapping. So if you have space somewhere else, you can keep and store toys. And every maybe week you can bring out new toys and swap them in and out. So I like that idea because it's also like, Oh, this toy, I haven't used it in a month. So it's kind of new to me again. And so I like that when it comes to decluttering. So my husband's had hair thinning issues for years, for a long time. It's not something he'd love to have. And he's done some things for it, but recently started using Nutrafol and oh my gosh, we have actually seen quite a difference. Did you know that for women, hair thinning happens in approximately one in two women? And if you're among them, I want you to know that you're definitely not alone. It's normal, but it's not openly talked about and going through it can feel lonely and frustrating. But you can join over one million people who are doing something about it with Nutrafol. Nutrafol is the number one dermatologist recommended hair growth supplement with over 1 million people seeing thicker, stronger, faster growing hair with less shedding, like my honey. Physician formulated with drug-free ingredients, Nutrafol supplements support healthy hair growth from within by targeting root causes of thinning, including stress, hormones, environment, nutrition, lifestyle, and metabolism as they evolve throughout a woman's life. And while many supplements rely solely on ingredient studies, Nutrafol clinically tests final formulations to ensure their efficacy. 
In a clinical study, 86% of women reported improved hair growth after taking Nutrafol's women's hair growth supplement for six months. With Nutrafol, building a hair growth routine is simple. Purchase online, no prescription required, free shipping, and automated deliveries to ensure you'll never miss a day. See results in three to six months. Take the first step to visibly thicker, healthier hair. For a limited time, Nutrafol is offering our listeners $10 off your first month's subscription and free shipping when you go to Nutrafol.com and enter the promo code MINDFULPARENTING. Find out why over 4,500 healthcare professionals and hairstylists recommend Nutrafol for healthier hair. Nutrafol.com, spelled N-U-T-R-A-F-O-L.com, promo code MINDFULPARENTING. That's Nutrafol.com, promo code MINDFULPARENTING. I'm Margaret. And I'm Amy. And together we host the podcast, What Fresh Hell? Laughing in the Face of Motherhood. Margaret, I would say you're sort of a where are my keys kind of mom. Correct. Sometimes a where are my kids kind of mom. (laughs) Well, you're, Amy, more of a we were supposed to leave 35 seconds ago, mom. I mean, touche. In each episode of What Fresh Hell, we come at a topic from our usually completely opposite perspectives. I bring the research. And I bring kind of the gimlet eye. Like, is that research really going to work, people? And almost 10 million downloads later, we're still laughing. We also talk to experts in the parenting field, plus parents with stories we can all learn from. We make each other laugh, we challenge each other's assumptions, and we have what we think is the best parenting community on the internet. Check out What Fresh Hell? Laughing in the Face of Motherhood wherever you listen to podcasts. We did that toy rotation and it really like was great because it would be mm-hmm. like, oh, the kids are antsy here. We'll just put in the the new toys. What are some things that you think that like toys and things that you think kids should have? Oh, goodness. Um, so I always really wanted my kids to like everything wooden, that beautiful aesthetic. And they, they don't really care that much about that stuff. (laughs) So I would say the things that my kids really do enjoy are anything arts and crafts. And I don't mind having those because we're using them and they're using their creativity and it can be open-ended. And I like, I would say really any open-ended toy I really do enjoy. So I really like magnetiles for that reason. And I'm I had to talk with someone the other day. I'm not opposed to Barbies. I think if you're going to have like a ton of Barbies, maybe we need to cut it down because you're not playing with 20 Barbies. So I am constantly going through Charlotte's and I'm like, okay, which ones are we going to donate to Goodwill or wherever it is that we're donating to, or want to give some to your friends. Um, so I would say anything open-ended my, uh, Martin got these, which you were holding up that little, uh, lizard. So it reminded me of it. Yes. Um, there were these dinosaur eggs he got at Christmas. I think my aunt got them at Target, but you, you, what is it called? You like dig to, through the little egg to find the dinosaur. And he would sit and work on those for a good half hour. And then he'd get the dino. And I want to say there were 12 of them. So like, that was a nice little thing that he could do every other day for a couple of weeks. That was really enjoyable. And now he has these dinos that he uses in his kinetic sand. So it's things like that, that, um, you wouldn't think like, Oh, a minimalist has these little dinos in her home, but I mean, it, it works for us. And I do, I think you mentioned one in or one out at some point when I've been talking to you and I do like that rule too. So if my children are going to get a new stuffed animal, it's like, okay, well, which one are we going to get rid of? And that may seem kind of rigid to people, but it's really how I just keep the boundary of like, you can have new things, but you also have to experience like getting rid of things too. So 
I'm not opposed to new things. It's just, let's have some limits and boundaries on what that's going to look like. I hope that I, that's yeah. didn't really, I feel yeah. like I somewhat answered your question, but I kind of took it another direction too. Oh, I, th- I think that makes sense. So it's, it's really, you're, what you're saying is it's, it's really flexible and up to you, but Mm-hmm. You know, I'm trying to think of like what we end up with, with too much of one th- sometimes I encourage people to like, just, if you have really little kids, especially like just get rid of the toys that annoy you as yeah. like, <laughs> there's no reason to keep around something that's like walking around your house and making loud noises and it's driving you crazy. Like, I mean, sometimes I put those in the car, which sounds mm. like counterintuitive, but sometimes I'm just like, well, this keeps you busy for this 20 minute car ride and you don't ever get to play with it in my house. And I can just throw in my ear, my AirPods and listen to a podcast while you're playing with it. So I've done that a few times with those toys. <laughs> okay. What about, I know I, from clients I've talked to that the kitchen is a huge mm. difficulty place, like the counters in the kitchen and, you know, where do people start there in the kitchen? Gosh, I think honestly with any space, you need to pull everything out. It's going to be in your kitchen. I decluttered a a hutch of mine in my living room, your closet, pull everything out and take assessment of what it is that you have, because often you can spot things right away that you don't need that you're not using. You can see duplicates, you can see things that are broken. So I think that that's really important to pull everything out. Um, and then just however, organization is going to look different for everyone. Some people like the little like labels with the, um, canisters. I am not that put together. So (laughs) I just kind of have my own system, but I would also say don't invest in that kind of stuff until you've really gone through. And again, you're honest with yourself about what it is that you're going to keep and where you're going to keep it. But yeah, pull everything out. That's the most important thing I would say. Actually, you know, so the what I the one pl- the place I decluttered in my bedroom this weekend was my crap my fabric that I've mm-hmm. made like I made quilts for the kids when they were little and I've made pillows and stuff like that and I used to make like the, them dresses and they were really little mm-hmm. and not that I'm really any good at it I'm, I'm actually not a very good sewer I have to put that out there it's so funny but anyway <laughs> yeah but pull, I did that pulling everything out and it was like oh instantaneously it was like there's so much here that I have not mm-hmm. looked at in like 15 years I just mm-hmm. need to like and it was like I got rid of a whole container and like got mm-hmm. the rest reduced down to like half of the remaining thing it was pretty amazing when you pull everything out to kind of see what you have you kind of realize that you know we have more than we have more than we need um, yeah well and one quick thing on that mm-hmm. I sometimes you're like, okay, I have 15 minutes. I'm going to declutter. And then you pull everything out and you're like, oh my goodness, this is all over my house. How am I going to put it all back? I don't have enough time. What I like to do is this stuff that I know can go back on the shelf or in the closet or wherever it is. I put it back right away. And then I just have these, like one container in my basement, it's just an empty like plastic container. I put everything else in there and then I deal with it. Purgatory. Yeah. So it it does stay in purgatory. I have a few purgatory boxes behind me. See, I'm not like the perfect minimalist, but I will do that. And then I go through it because I do think it's important for everything to have a home in your house. Even if it's just the home is the junk drawer. I'm not opposed to that either. I think that if we know what's in the junk drawer, sometimes like things don't necessarily have categories to where they can be stored. So the junk drawer is perfect for it, but you know, what's in your junk drawer. I wouldn't just like start throwing stuff in there, but I do like that purgatory. That's been very beneficial to me. Do you have any advice for the like 50,000 pencils that are 
<laughs> that we have uh, in our house. Like, what does one do with all the pencils? It seems like every year the school is like, we need 24 brand new pencils. And then we always have like, mm-hmm. we have t- like 20,000 pencils in our house. Yeah. I would say that we have the same problem. My husband's a high school teacher, so he's constantly bringing home pencils or pens or those uh, dry erase board markers I find everywhere. But I would say donate to schools. Um, Art rooms really need those things. Um, You could donate to, I don't know, nursing homes, to the library. You can- the library. Yeah. You can definitely- find a place for everything to go. Um, I feel like it just do a quick Google search, but yeah, even with like old toys, I donated some of the old toys to my gym at one point, um, because their toys were looking kind of dingy and they needed more. So I was like, Hey, want some of our toys, they're in pretty good condition. And so it's just little things like that. that I feel like you're thinking outside of the box and it's very helpful. Okay. All right. So let's, I know, let's imagine we're like maintenance, you know, say you've, you've simplified, you've got your, your storage room to a good place. Your closet mm-hmm. is in rainbow order. Mine is in rainbow order. Anyway, your <laughs> all this stuff. What, what do we do? How do you, how do you maintain this kind of lifestyle, especially when you have kids? I mean, it's just consistency. That's with everything. I, I don't think you can arrive at a place to where you think that it's just going to maintain itself. And so I would just say, a few minutes every day. Like you just put in the work and you have those little resets throughout your day, whether it's during nap time, like before the kids wake up right before bed. I don't want to spend too much time after I put my kids to bed working on things that are unpleasant like that. So I usually will set a timer and get as much done as I can in that 15 minutes. Um, and that just helps me stay on top of things. And then whatever needs to be carried over to the next day, you write on a list, but that's, that's like, that seems very like organized, I guess. And I not, I know that not everyone is like that. So I would just say, build it, build it in where you can. Um, again, we have kids, our houses are not going to be perfect. And, um, I do share like a little bit of my house on social media, but that's why I try not to share too much because I don't want you to compare your house to mine and and vice versa. Like, I think sometimes we have this unrealistic expectation when we see Instagrammers houses and Mm. they should be that way. They should always be perfection or they should always have this few possessions. And I I don't know. I just think sometimes, sometimes that's a real reflection of our life, but other times I'm just like, we need to be more honest that it's okay to have an untidy room. And I don't know. So I'm, I'm tangenting right now, but, (laughs) um, any last words of inspiration for those of us who want to want to simplify and and want to enjoy some of the benefits of 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 less responsibility for all that stuff yeah i i think i've said it throughout the podcast just trial and error is so huge and take things out for 30 days take things away for 30 days and um if you don't if you if you miss something then put it back like by all means put it back but I think that before we actually start to walk down that road, it can seem really scarier that we can't do it. And I don't like that self-doubt. We definitely can do it. We can do, we can do hard things. You've heard that phrase before. So I would just say it's trial and error, figure out what works for you. It's not going to work for everyone else. Like figure out what your family's goals are and you can do it. You can do it. Yeah. And the benefits are, are great. Like less, Mm-hmm. It's more a simplified life means less stress, less hurry. Mm-hmm. Like we have so much stress in our lives and, and, and 
it's huge. It, it helps enormously on all that. And it's um, something we can control. Like that is something yeah. that we absolutely, there are things that are out of our control as parents and that we want to control and we absolutely can't. So to me, I'm like, if there is something that I can control at this point in my life, I want, I want to, and it's, it might not be easy, but nothing's easy when you first start a new habit, nothing, there's always that initial period of work that you have to put in. So, but, but you can do it. So, yeah. I like this. This is like, uh, this is like an avenue for all our controlling impulses. We can put it into our simplifying. This is great. Yeah. <laughs> well, Diane's book is Minimalist Moms, Living and Parenting with Simplicity. Mm-hmm. And where can people find you and more about what you're doing? So it's minimalistmomspodcast.com. And there you can find all the links to where you can find me on the web, but it is mostly on Instagram. I hang out there. So it's at minimalistmomspodcast. And then the book is on Amazon, Barnes Noble, I think bookshop.org, which is really cool. I found out that you can order through your independent local bookstores through that website. So yeah, anywhere where books are sold. Oh, cool. And in Minimalist Moms, just so you know, Diane goes through a lot of very specific things like baby clothes, like artwork, like all the different things. So it's it's a really quick, easy read. It's not filled with lots of fluff appropriately. Yeah. Um, yeah. So check it out. Thank you so much for coming on the Mindful Mama podcast again, Diane. This has been great. Yeah. Thank you so much for having me. I really appreciate you taking the time to speak about this. It's something I love to talk about. So thank you again. Do you feel super inspired now to go clear out your closets? I thought I had kind of declared my office and then I went into like this three drawers I have and I was like, oh my goodness. And I just, it, I cleared stuff out and it felt so good. It's going to feel so good. Do it, do it. You'll feel so much better and there'll be more ease and peace in your life as you create, you know, you just create the space for that, right? If we have so much stuff cluttering up our lives like we can't we're not creating space for what we really want in our lives if you were inspired by this episode you can find clips of our conversation video clips on the mindful mama mentor youtube page and you can share them around that's a great way to share the episode let me know you know tag me on instagram at mindful mama mentor let me know if you enjoyed the episode and what you thought about it to let you know here at the back end of this episode too i just want to remind you that the Mindful Parenting Teacher Certification Program, we are opening enrollment. We'll have limited spots available for the five-month program, and enrollment will be opening and closing this year for next spring. So to learn more about that, go to mindfulparentingcourse.com slash teach. That's mindfulparentingcourse.com slash teach. And I'll try to make sure that link is in the show notes. Everything's all linked up at mindfulmamamentor.com. Anyway, you can find it all there. But mindfulparentingcourse.com slash teach. And maybe you can do this heart-centered work and earn money at the same time. It's like win-win. You share it with people in your neighborhood. You transform the world. And you earn an income. Like what is not to love? So if you are a a teacher or a therapist or a doula or just simply a parent, you can just be somebody who is simply loves this parenting work and wants to spread it around. 
then that's awesome too. So I love hearing people take their situation and share it from their voice. And we take people at varying levels of experience. So it's an application process and we have limited spots available. So if you are interested, do your application soon. And we'll also be having that event coming up soon. Okay. Can't think of anything else. Thank you so much for listening here to the end. You rock. So great to be connecting today. I hope you're inspired and I'm so glad to connect. And I'm so excited. Just keep an eye out for Friday's podcast is about your child doesn't need you to be perfect. And I really am excited for this one. It's really an important episode that I think you'll definitely want to listen to. So thank you so much for listening. I really appreciate you being part of this community, part of this tribe, doing this work. And I wish you a beautiful week, my friend. Namaste. I say definitely do it. It's really helpful. It will change your relationship with your kids for the better. It will help you communicate better. And just, I'd say communicate better as a person, as a wife, as a spouse. It's been really a positive influence in our lives. So definitely do it. I'd say definitely do it. It's so worth it. The money really is inconsequential when you get so much benefit from being a better parent to your children and feeling like you're connecting more with them and not feeling like you're yelling all the time or you're like, why isn't things working? I would say definitely do it. It's so, so worth it. It'll change you. No matter what age someone's child is, it's a great opportunity for personal growth and it's a great investment in someone's family. I'm very thankful I have this. You can continue in your old habits that aren't working or you can learn some new tools and gain some perspective to shift everything in your parenting. Are you frustrated by parenting? Do you listen to the experts and try all the tips and strategies, but you're just not seeing the results that you want? Or are you lost as to where to start? Does it all seem so overwhelming with too much to learn? Are you yearning for a community of people who get it, who also don't want to threaten and punish to create cooperation? Hi, I'm Hunter Clark-Fields, and if you answered yes to any of these questions, I want you to seriously consider the Mindful Parenting membership. You'll be joining hundreds of members who have discovered the path of mindful parenting and now have confidence and clarity in their parenting. This isn't just another parenting class. This is an opportunity to really discover your unique, lasting relationship, not only with your children, but with yourself. It will translate into lasting, connected relationships, not only with your children, but your partner too. Let me change your life. Go to mindfulparentingcourse.com to add your name to the wait list. So you will be the first to be notified when I open the membership for enrollment. I look forward to seeing you on the inside. mindfulparentingcourse.com No one told us the truth about parenthood. Why? This is the podcast everyone needed before they had kids because now that those little ones are here, whew, there is a lot to unpack. I'm Rachel Shepardota, and I am your host for the podcast, No One Told Us, where we tell the truth about parenting and let you in on all the stuff you really should have known about before having kids. I am the founder of Hey Sleepy Baby, but this podcast is so much more than sleep. We'll be diving into all the topics that you really care about and need to know 
while you do your best job raising those adorable, tidy humans. Our goal is to just make you feel less alone and less overwhelmed. There are so many things that no one tells us before becoming a parent, and I think that we should really pull back the curtain on becoming a first-time or second-time mom or dad to share the good, the bad, and the ugly. We'll have a little education, a little fun, and a whole lot of heart that goes into each and every episode. So join me and our amazing guests each week to hear us talk about what no one told us. 